to start the episode and she goes, hey, kids. (laughs) Absolutely not. Hey, kids. Hey, kids. That's like your mom, like, lets you have a, like, a sleepover and, like, she comes in the room, hey, girls. And you're like, leave! Leave! Get out of here. If my mom ever let me have a sleepover, God forbid. God forbid. I wasn't growing up in, like, a house where that was, like, chill. So funny because I, like, was allowed to always have sleepovers and I'm, like, I'm, I know I'm going to be the most anxious parent alive. Like, I'm yeah. so terrified of having kids because of how much anxiety I know no, same, is going to same, same. exist in my heart and soul. Um, but I'm like, wait, ew, my kids sleeping at random homes with random parents that I don't know. Not, not uh-uh. absolutely not. I was allowed to have people sleep at mine. Yeah. But I was never allowed to go because my dad read an article one time about like, or he saw on the news, like these kids, like went to a sleepover and like they were told the parents were going to be home the parents weren't home they broke in the parents liquor cabinet drank then got in the car and drove off a bridge <laughs> so my dad was like sorry is this actually how we're starting the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no so my dad was like you're not allowed to have sleepovers but i get it my kids aren't gonna be allowed to sleep out at randoms like if we have like a close family friend who's like yeah. ultimately like oh you're a cousin like if I don't trust the parents, I'm not letting my children sleep there. And I don't care if that makes me too strict. I think it's kind of – I think sleepovers I think are a weird a, concept. it's a different thing when your children are older and, like, you can have more conversations with them about, like – How to advocate for themselves. How to advocate what for if, like, themselves and like, consent like, yeah. and, like, they understand, like, what's weird behavior, what's acceptable behavior. Like, if you can have conversations with those kids and understand that they're mature the enough to have those conversations. I'm sorry. Well, I, I more think, like – I want to be like, okay, it's either at my house or with other parents I know very well and trust very well until the kids are, like, in high school. Oh, no, I'm the same. That's, like, my feeling on it. Yeah. I think my my biggest issue that I would run into consistently is that, like, my parents were friendly with my friends' parents. Like, they liked my friends' parents, but my parents weren't the PTA type. So my parents weren't, weren't friends with, like, I think a lot of parents, what I notice is that their friends are the parents of their children's friends. Like, my parents were not like like that that. at all. They had their own friends. All of their own friends' children are of varying ages. My parents had their own friends, but they were much closer with some of my friends' parents than others. So it's not like they were necessarily friends with my friends, any of my friends' parents, but there were some parents who they knew much better. And I think, like, it's one of those things where, like, they don't have to be people you're going out for dinners with. Yeah. But, like, you should know and trust the people. Again, we don't have kids. So, no, we don't have kids, like, but we my, are not no, authority but, figures. No, the other thing is that my boyfriend was like, oh, like, when you become a parent, like, your friends just become your children's friends' parents. And I was like, oh, like, maybe that was your experience. Not that mine. It's like an experience. But, like, my parents, like, knew. Actually, my mom. Let's yeah. just be so fucking for real right now. My mom knew. My friend's parents, kind of, but she was like not friends with. That's no idea. My father, if I asked my dad to name five of my friends, he would get three. Yeah. He would say Veronica, Ali, Julia. Then he would start being like, oh, and then there's that, 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 that one with the hair yeah. and, and the thing. And no, that like, my dad is that trope. Yeah. My dad always like confirms though. Like when I bring up my friends, he's always like, oh, like. 
that's the one who does this and he gets it right every time that i'm like why are we doing this like little game wait so your dad is a different level my dad is he no dad level 100 he like pretends to not know who they are like he goes through this like little game he wants to be the trope he's like he's like oh is like Susie the one from like tap class and i'm like yeah but then he'll ask that every single time and it's like why do you keep asking to confirm if you're always getting it right like why are you doubting yourself i think my dad has like big italian father energy which i only like discovered through watching sebastian maniscalco talk about his own dad and my dad isn't like his dad exactly but some of the stuff he says like he said like i met my dad when i turned 18 and i was like part of that like resonates with me so strongly like having a parent who owns businesses and is italian like he was just like hustle and grind like there was no like he was like, get to work. I don't know what the fuck, like, yeah, no, my, my dad was like, get your fucking working. ass up and work. It feels like that was my dad to me when I was like 13. Sorry, the way, like, what is this, like, podcast episode? No, like, guys. No, people are gonna be interested. They just like to hear us talk. We just like to yap. No. Fluent in Japanese. Well, I asked you guys on Instagram, what do we talk about? And one person just wrote steam. But, like, steam. we don't know what that means. Like, a steam room? I don't like. I'm or, a like, are girl. they talking about, like, there's a big push to, like, include the arts in STEM? So it's like. Is there actually women in steam woman in steam no that's ridiculous i don't yeah. i don't feel the need because women are already in the arts i think is the no, problem exactly like at like, such a problem. high like i played corny collins in the hairspray community theater yeah. production like we were there well the problem is that like men aren't going into the arts and women aren't going into stem so it's like if we're making it steam how how do we address wait that's 100 percent what issues? she meant I didn't know that that was a thing. Is that what she meant? That's got to be what she meant. Well, I only know that this is a thing because she put it in caps. My, my steam. <laughs> I was like, steam room? Steam what? My art teacher in seventh grade, like, we show up to seventh grade art class, and instead of, like, painting like normal, she's like, we're making a maglev train. Like, a magnetic levitation Okay, well, train. that's what happens when you go to private school, to be honest. Yeah, fair. You know like, what? We I'll take that on the that. chin. Like, Fair we have, like, we did not have that. Like, gonna be honest with you. No, I think that steam, I think that that's probably what she meant. Yeah. Well, my feelings are that, it like. It should be, like, men in the arts and women in STEM. Yeah. But then again, though, like, the craziest thing about the idea of men in the arts is that when you look at Hollywood, when you look at Broadway, when you look at, like, big such art an answer worlds. For this why are all the men are all in charge of it anyways so it's like why do we need men in arts like they're all in charge of it it's so fascinating to me because there are things you can do that are stereotypically female and there are things you can do that are stereotypically male and you know you can then break the gender norms and do things that are not stereotypically one gender or the other um wait i'm not implying that there are only two genders that felt like a bad way to phrase it but no but you're just talking about like the women, the concept of like women yeah, in STEM, the exactly. concept of men going into the arts, and it's so interesting that like if you think about something that's like stereotypically female, if a man does that thing and amasses a certain amount of success, it first of all sometimes that entire industry just becomes male dominated, but it also then is seen as like a male thing, like cooking in the home, that's seen as like a stereotypically female activity, but being a chef, being an executive chef, guess what, men. But then it's like, how the fuck? Like, it's it's well, so fucking frustrating. Being part to me. of community theater, uh, a man being part of community theater. Oh, he's gay. He's gay. It's like it's seen as too feminine. That people, the only thing they can possibly theorize is that this must be a gay man. But a man acts in Hollywood and on the stage and on the screen, heartthrob. Well, I, no, but it's not even that. It's 
every single executive producer well, but is a man. Well, my is that like certain well. things are deemed at the lower level, stereotypically feminine, and then once uh, you amass enough success, they're actually like well, it's, excluding it's because, women from that thing. It's because once you amass a certain amount of success, it's kind of like all male up there. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's well, like we exactly. couldn't even but like even like cheerleading. Like you see like the reverse, like something that's like. Um, it's called like male flight, I think. Like, uh, you know, things that are typically dominated by men, when women start to get involved, the men leave. Cheerleading used to be exclusively men. Exclusively men. Yeah. And then women get involved, the color pink, Ma- male color. Women get involved, all of a sudden, oh, I could never wear pink. The name Lindsay, the name Brittany. Those be were male so names. And when women get involved, oh my gosh, I have to take a the step The male back. Eli's are gonna flight. <laughs> flight but I think it's super interesting that as a woman there's no amount of success you can reach that makes you like impervious to criticism specifically when it comes to the way your gender intersects with your occupation yeah like you can't be a female politician a successful female politician without being forced to address day in and day out the fact that you're a woman but men don't have to address it's their gender every single so day. so exhausting. Like, the glass ceiling for women never really, truly goes well, away. It's, it's also just, like, if we take it back to, like, the simplest things, we're, like, a little bit deep in here. Like, the idea, the, 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 the concept of girl boss as a term, I oh think about God. this one all the time. Like, the rise of, like, the girl bossification of the world and, like, all of that. It's, like every man could just like be a boss it wasn't like boy boss boy boss man boss like what the fuck is that and like i do like to like i like the reclaiming of girl boss to be like eh girl boss like you're girl bossing whatever ironically yeah but people will use it to me in an unironic way like you work so hard you're a girl boss and i'm like please go find a man that works as hard as i do and call him a boy boss please to like even it out i think it's like gender is so important and like ever present in like every single aspect of the way society functions but over addressing it really in that sort of way like girl boss like or again the thing with like politicians who are women or identify as women like they can also just exist as a politician like why do they need to be oh a female politician the female senator a female journalist exactly like gender and acknowledging gender and gender discrepancies and you know the intersectionality of everything is always important but constantly reminding people that like it's a woman doing this thing i don't know who that's helping like constantly it's never just a doctor female doctor female business owner female like whatever the female ceo woman-led company and it's like those things are important, but it it differentiates us though, like exactly a lot. It doesn't. I don't think it serves um, like equity. Because when I even like I think in my brain, female led company, I'm thinking like flowery, like pink, like they're yeah. doing worse than the male ones, so we should support them. Like there's now like almost like a not a distaste but there's like a a feeling behind it it's not just it can't just be like an amazing company like it has to be this woman led thing exactly and then it it makes you feel like it's somehow lesser than because society makes it feel like it's lesser than it's like when we're at a point it's the same thing that i've you know said to you so many times with like girl math and girl dinner and whatever when we're at a point where we can't really reclaim the word girl because 
it's still being used against women. Like, you know, like, it, you know, like, oh, you're just a little girl. Like, it's, I don't know, I can't get my words together. But no, I know exactly what you're trying to say. There's no point in, um, when you're still not seen as equal, when you you're not even close it. to being seen yeah. as equal, there's no reclaiming that. You could reclaim it after you were seen as equal. Yeah. But it's like... Or after you had enough power to say, you're no longer allowed to use this word against me. Exactly. And it's uh, socially understood that you're not allowed to People do that. People were getting in a fight with me about the... They were like, I agree about girl hobby and girl dinner, but not about girl math. And I was like, sorry, I don't see the difference because I brought up this point that statistically boys and girls in second and third grade perform equally in math but if you ask every single student are you good at math the boys at a ridiculous percentage say yes and the girls at an insane percentage say no yeah so it's not that boys are better at math it's like the myth of the male math brain it's that they're being told they are they're being taught they are before i left nyu i was pursuing a math major and there was like people were coming up to me other like women other students were like do you want to join our you know like our club it's for like women math majors because there had to be a club because there were so no, few it's... of us and it's like i you don't get taken seriously in class Wait, you know it, you need to... there was like almost bullying by professors going on yeah in the math department exactly and it's like i was smart enough to get in here i was smart enough to you know say i wanted to be I'm a part of this major the i'm sitting next to you i'm passing the test i'm getting a's on the tests. like and still like i was not seen as an equal so it's really i don't know i think it's from my own personal experience and my perspective it's really hard to see people repackage math as, as girl math when you could just own the the understanding of economics that you're clearly demonstrating i mean most of what people are talking about with girl math is sunk cost fallacy just say that no i'm also you don't explain that there's power in knowledge and okay i found it i found this two videos that i wanted to show you from my friend um her tiktok at is at m-a-a-l-t-o-k-s mall talks and she made two videos about this, and she's like a PhD candidate mm-hmm. at Northwestern in math. And I'm gonna play both videos. Okay, here's the first one. I usually agree with you. I usually think the comment is, "It's truly not that deep. You don't have to turn everything into discourse. We don't need more words from you on this." She was just making a cute little goofy vid. Let it be, lol. And it was about girl hobby, girl math, girl dinner. We've over discoursed an attempt to course correct, but lately I've been feeling this tension between being just a girl and being taken seriously. So let's talk about it. Girl dinner, right? What does it mean for something as simple as eating to be taken on as gender performance? Something we all do so differently according to our tastes, our habits. So girl of you to have a snack dinner. What's more girl than putting a few snacks together and calling it a meal? And putting together fragments and calling it a whole? Girl math. What is being said about girls when we speak about girlhood as being like inherently delusional or deficient? Several studies have identified what takes women out of STEM careers it's not ability it's confidence what impacts confidence poor knowledge of finances is not an inherent trait to women it's a byproduct of years of subjugation and inequality around 50 years ago women cannot own a credit card and the things that girl math touches aren't even inherent to women 
all of us of any gender have spent a little extra online to get free shipping. It's a good marketing strategy. And let's talk about whiteness, which I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback on. Who actually gets to be this frail girl that gets taken care of? I don't think there's space there for women of color and especially black women. Sorry I'm discoursing, and I know younger people love naming things so they feel the sense of belonging. But I think it's really important we are careful of how we are visualizing gender in our lives. The world is increasingly harsh and we're nostalgic for girlhood, I get but I think it's all fun and games till the patriarchy wins yet again. All I'm saying is we have to consume critically. I've gotta go. I've gotta go to my graduate level computer science course. We're in a class of 36 students. I'm one of three women. I literally love her and I yeah. loved that video and I think it summed up where you were trying to find your words before. No, it's it's also such it, such an incredibly important point that like who gets to be a girl, who gets to be seen that way and it's oftentimes women of color are excluded from that kind of archetype. That's an incredibly incredibly important point. And I also it you know if you're using if you're an adult woman and you're using girl on some level ironically right like you are no longer a girl girl. you're an adult woman and it just makes me wonder by attaching you know this element of delusion and and quirkiness and almost like stupidity and incompetence to the word girl what how is that impacting actual girls people who are girls right now young girls right now in school like if we want to repackage girl, if a you know Gen Z and millennial adult woman want to repackage girl in a different way or repackage girl to be this ironic cutesy thing, how does it impact the actual girls alive well, on the planet right now? This was the first conversation that we ever had about this. We were talking about how in when you reclaim something, it suggests that whoever you're reclaiming it from is like also in on the joke. Like they are they are exactly. acknowledging like you you guys notice that we use girl in a derogatory way so you're taking it back and now we acknowledge you as equals. But they don't. Yeah. So it's like the point is moot. Like it's not accomplishing anything other than harm. Well, also I think it has to do, you know, I think there's so many things at play here, but the one thing that I'm always brought back to is I think so many so many so many so many people, women who whomever have been sold such a lie about what feminism is. And you know, we get all these videos being like, well, feminism is you get to choose. No, that's not what feminism I is. I have to find this video for you. Did I send it to you? No. Oh my God, it's your brain. Like I, I think I reposted at, it, but continue. At its core, feminism is about liberation from the patriarchy. That's really all feminism is, liberation for all peoples from the patriarchy. And if we're doing things that um, play into the hands of the patriarchy or increase the power of the patriarchy or simply exist to reinforce the patriarchy, it's not a feminist act. And that's not inherently always a bad thing. You know, it's like plastic surgery is like, on some level, if you are getting plastic surgery to conform to the beauty standard, you are yourself reinforcing the patriarchy. And that's not something I think any individual should be villainized for, but... I do think it's important we sometimes zoom out on our actions and understand how they impact the larger culture. And it doesn't mean don't get plastic surgery. I'm pro plastic surgery. I'm pro people doing whatever's going to make them happiest. But at the same time, I do think it's important we understand where our actions are situated within our cultures. And we understand that just making a decision to do something for yourself is not 
inherently a feminist act. Wait, are you ready? Yeah. So the comment she's responding to is, feminists fought so you would have the choice. It's always been about choice. She responds, elite video. From what I can remember, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but from what I can remember, it's similar to the one that I just showed you, where I was like, we couldn't get our words together, but she did. (laughs) She did. No hate to you. This is just education. But no, feminism has never been about choice. It is not about choice. And no feminist in the past has ever fought so that a woman would have a choice to choose between going to work and staying at home. Choice feminism, also known as white woman's feminism, makes feminism about a woman's individual self-actualization instead of what it's really about, which is collective liberation. When we make it about individual self-actualization, my, cho- my, desi- my autonomy to choose what I want to do in the world, who I want to be in the world, we look at the state of, of work in this society and go, I don't want that. That doesn't seem like it's going to optimize me, self-actualize me, get me where I want to go in life. Which is why you have a bunch of these trad wives in training going, feminism must not have worked because I don't want to go work. It also makes it so that anytime you criticize a woman's choice, you're being anti-feminist. Well, if woman, if it's about your right to choose, then every choice is feminist. It's about women supporting other women. And that's not true. You can do things that are anti-feminist and bad for feminism. Some of the problem is that we are so benefited from feminism even in the most conservative circles that we forget what the actual fight was about the fight about feminism was not about you getting to choose to work or stay home it was about the right to not be seen as property it is the right to be seen as someone who is just as human as a man that has thoughts and feelings and a brain that works just like a man's that's anyway Anyway, then she goes on to say, that's the reason we weren't allowed to vote. That's the reason we weren't allowed to have property. That's the reason we weren't allowed to do this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, she just goes on. It's a little bit longer, but she basically says, like, the reason that feminism, like, began and, like, the fight had to exist at all is, like, women were not as seen as human as men. That's why they couldn't have jobs. That's why they couldn't own property. That's why they couldn't have credit cards. That's why they couldn't vote. Well, and also in parts of the world, like, we're not far removed from that, you know? Exactly child brides child marriages still happening you know you look at the flds on american soil like that i think you know so many of us are so privileged and whether that's you know through racial privilege or financial privilege or just privilege by living in america that it's really easy to view what feminism can do for us through like a self-centered lens and i think all these things are incredibly well-intentioned and a lot of these people who are you know promoting choice feminism i don't think they're bad people i don't think they have bad intentions i don't think you know they're like against the movement but at the end of the day none of our actions none of our behaviors happen in a vacuum and none of our actions can be um, extracted from the impact of the patriarchy. That it is incredibly important when we're having discussions about misogyny and feminism and equality and most importantly, intersectionality, we are understanding what those terms actually mean, not what we want them to mean, not what it benefits us for them to mean, but in actuality, the what is going on? Yeah. What's the definition? What are, what are we fighting for and why? You know, it's like the whole thing with like what happened to girls supporting girls and all of a sudden if 
like that's now you know the tagline of feminism in some circles and it's like feminism has never been about girls supporting girls women supporting women it's always 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 been about liberation for all peoples from the, the patriarchy. other thing is that if people were to just get on board with the definition a lot of people who we need in order to actually make any like strides or positive productive change would join in on yeah. it like the consistent and constant either incorrect language around any of those terms but in this conversation feminism and the incorrect definitions cause men straight men cis men and a lot of conservative women to be like oh poo poo no thank you well it's also like a, you know you're calling people's value systems into question which i understand how that can be you know people are resistant to that like if you're raised in a household by a mother who's telling you you know where this is a feminist house and you can be whatever you want to be and you can go after whatever job you want and if that's what your whole life has been sold to you as feminism and that's what you've always understood it to be someone telling you that's wrong is someone on some level not maliciously but they are really like coming for your values they're saying hey this thing that you believed you were your whole life you were wrong about and I think that's an emotional thing for people and people are not really on board to course correct course correct and it's that's like the what's same hard. conversation we've been having a million times about other things as well is like you are raised a certain way or being taught or told a certain thing and maybe it's not only just in the home but also in school or wherever you are or in your community or in your circles it is incredibly difficult and also incredibly necessary to unlearn those things yeah but the unlearning is going to call your entire belief system for maybe 20 or more years yeah. into question and that is very very difficult and to it also face. makes you reevaluate you know your relationships your relationship with your family all these things you thought to be true it's like it's an undertaking you know if you have believed in the idea of choice feminism your whole life and then someone tells you hey that's actually not what we're doing here it's you know, I'm, I'm not surprised people get angry because they feel like they're being on some level attacked. And I understand that. But push those feelings aside, because if you are in the position to believe in choice feminism, you're coming from an incredible place of privilege. Yeah. An incredible, incredible, incredible place of privilege. Where, individual think, where individualism is like your like the ability to think the ability, just about yourself. Yeah. Like so it, it's. And it, it harkens back to the sorority thing. It's the same conversation. Exactly. Your own ability, like when, what if you guys didn't see, I think most of you probably follow me on TikTok, but I was getting into some arguments with the sorority girls and I was not coming for their necks about joining a sorority. I did so myself. I was just suggesting that if you're a white woman that comes from an, a very privileged background and if you're a white woman in general, spaces like sororities were literally created for you to feel comfortable and coddled and to never have to think about the fact that they are so fucked up in terms of like how just elitist, classist, racist, fatphobic, misogynistic, homophobic, the list goes on. You are literally in the ultimate place that was made and created yeah. for you by you. You do not have to turn your brain on if you don't want to. And I'm not villainizing you for, for not turning your brain on. I'm just asking you to consider maybe doing well, so. Yeah, and it's like, I guess the connecting point there is that if you're in a position not to, you know, zoom out and understand how these systems and organizations are impacting social issues globally, 
and you know impacting our global culture that's an incredible place of privilege and our global politics like not even just our global culture you know that video that's like can we talk about the political and economic state of the world yeah yeah (laughs) that's us right now literally but it really we're having thoughts today guys um okay well somebody asked us to give some of our recent favorite tweets and i have to tell you what what i what i stumbled upon last night oh my gosh so essentially i wish that i could find this like again because like i don't really have like the example anymore to show you but there was a realtor on twitter and he was like does anybody have any tips for staging this layout of a home because it is so wait but this is my favorite part because it is so annoying and it's basically like over the front door there's like an like all the way up like 20 feet up over the front door entrance of the house high ceilings there's like an extended platform in between the wall but there's no access to it and it's completely bare and empty it like literally makes no sense it's just ridiculous design choice so then he was like does anybody have any like ways that they staged this i need some help so people are responding one person responds and they show this like plastic illuminated not big enough for the space whatsoever plugged into the wall cord running on the side longhorn statue it's really heinously ugly, but even more than that, it's not the right size. It looks messy. It looks Sorry, tacky. It's just Eli, awful. you haven't seen the funniest ones. Wait, no, no, no. But then, <laughs> but then, the guy, the realtor, responds to it and goes, best use I've ever seen, exclamation point. The responses underneath are like, say cap right now. Are you serious? Are That's you the real? best use you've ever seen? I saw one that I'm was dead. like... Um, one that they edited a billboard of like the Shen Yun like Chinese oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So someone put a Chili's. No, I saw that too. I've seen I've seen all of those, but it's more just so. Did you see the tweet that said I love smoking with paranoid bitches? Like yes, girl, they are coming, but we are stronger. No, I love that one. I <laughs> love that one. Um, wait, let me see. My little brother called me at 1 a.m. last night crying, throwing, screaming up because his girlfriend dumped him. But then I found out he cheated on her. I'm like, you're not fucking serious right now. Go cry some more. Go cry some more. So true. So true. Let's see. Um, if you guys know that like iconic picture of that couple at Panera, someone tweeted Timothy and Chalamet and Kylie Jenner at the Golden Globes. It's this couple in like an embrace that's way too intimate for Panera. No, I know exactly. Wait, this is my new favorite tweet. Guys, just look this one up. This is how I imagine horses would act if they were people. (laughs) Guys, Eli and I are A-H-A. Always horsing around. No, this... Did did I send you this? You sent me that, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. It's literally my favorite. It's literally my favorite. All right. I'm not, like, retweeting that much funny stuff. I feel like I like funny stuff. I need to go to my likes. Oh, I sent you... (laughs) Um, it's a picture of the Wizard of Oz where the house is dropped on the Wicked Witch of the East. And someone tweeted it and said, this is the first recorded boots the house down. And they had a point. They had a point. They 100% had a point. What's... Oh, did you see the Hydro Flask made their own Stanley Cup? Good for that. Get back in the their... game. Wait, sorry. Everyone's made their own Stanley Cup. They're a little late to the game is what it is. Awala has a Stanley Cup. Simple Modern has a Stanley Wait, Cup. Can I be so for real The Dollar right Tree now? has a Stanley Cup. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Like, they send them to me. That's why I drink out of it. And it stays cold. But, like, and it keeps me hydrated. But, like, are we really? I saw a TikTok that said this. Are we really so stupid that we need to carry around, like, machinery to ensure that we stay hydrated? Like, whatever just happened to, like, a glass of water? Yeah. Well, do you know what's so interesting? Like, in America, we drink a lot of water. 
because we're told like you need to drink a lot of water yeah people in other countries like do they're like confused about the stanley cup because they're like why would you, would you ever need that much water oh really yeah what's the average drinking water in, like, like english people like do not drink that much water because they're having tea they're having tea but i'm like tea is not water tea is not water well but then i'm also like i see i have a question about this because coffee is mostly water like chemically right like if yeah. you have to ask about the formula it's mostly water but there's coffee beans in it and coffee dehydrates you but yeah. water hydrates you but if it's turned into coffee it dehydrates you what happens when you put those skittle sugar packets in you know what i mean like is it still does it because coffee doesn't count if you're talking about your water intake but does coffee count if i've done mermaid syrup in a grape skittle packet (laughs) (laughs) what is more so like please if you're a doctor if you're a woman in stem chime in for us what is more water like mermaid syrup in a grape sugar packet or a coffee or a coffee and you know what i just think you know who we have to thank for all of this who tj maxx why have you ever gone to the checkout counter and seen or just been in the store and gone to the food section and seen oh, I all love the, the syrups? syrups. Allie and I used and to do them in college in our coffee. The syrups and we were the water okay. flavor packets and all the fix-ins. And back in the day, too, like you wanted Marshall's, a water bottle? That's Marshall's. Sorry, in England, there's only TJ Maxx, so that's, like, what I'm used to now saying. Yeah, but, fair enough. But they both have them. But Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, whatever the fuck, one of the big three – that's the big three. That's by the big the way. three. That's the big three. And then they try and come in here with home sense. Who are you? We don't know you. No, we've never met you before. And go away, frankly. No, and you're like the hotter older sister that I'm low key scared of. So stay away. Yeah, stay away. But you're not invited to. The out group. of the big three, you're going to the big three. You're getting your snacks. First of all, back in the day, you needed a water bottle. Where were you going? The big three. Yeah. You were going to the big three. You were getting some plastic tumbler that was exactly. like glitter, or whatever. I remember I ordered like a hydro flask and I was like so excited when no. I was in high school. And that's like high school. Like before then, a water bottle? No, that was happening at yeah, TJ Maxx Marshall. Exactly. Your mom was like, we're not paying for no, that. No, no. And I'm like, where are they in this discourse about water talk and Stanley Cups? Like no one is bringing it up. And I'm like, it, it, the role they played, significant. Well, I heard that like if you're in middle school right now and you bring an off-brand Stanley to school, you get bullied. I believe that with every fiber of my being. And one thing about me is that I would not last a second in a middle school in our good year 2024. I would get chewed the fuck up. Those bitches. Sorry, would- I think you could like it, it might like harden you though, and you might like like go to the other side and become Evelyn. That's so true. Like, I would be rolling with them, like, after, like, yeah. a few weeks. Like, like, I think, like, you get bullied in sixth grade, and then you transfer schools, and you're like, oh, it's fucking on. on. No, and then you're, like, like the big bitch. Yeah. Maybe. But who knows? Luckily, luckily, we don't, we don't have, have to do, to it, do again. it again. But, like, that's the other thing about bringing kids in the world. I don't want to send them to a middle school. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. I mean, we made it out. We're fine. We're alive. We're still So kicking. true, but I feel like the middle schools these days yeah it's like the 10 year old in Sephora well it's hard too because a lot of the things I think like call your parenting into question almost like you know there's this discourse about like 10 year olds can't read 10 year olds in Sephora with the drunk elephant and they don't need retinol and they don't need rare beauty AHA and BHA they don't need all these skincare products well let's make up a whole nother thing but let's focus on the skincare if you make the decision like these products are not meant for my child's skin. I'm not getting them these products. They can have a cleanser and a moisturizer that are kid-friendly and a sunscreen that is kid-friendly. 
but then your kid goes to school and is getting bullied because they don't have drunk elephant you know it it makes things much harder because you're trying to make a decision as a parent and that potential decision that you're making has ramifications has social ramifications but then my question is the parent the problem is the parents giving their kids it in the first place like because no every parent has to get on board every parent has to get on board with being so fucking for real right now like being so fucking but also think about this your kid loses their water bottle every third day you're not buying them a stanley no because why would you you have to buy 12 stanleys a week but then they're getting bullied because they don't have the name brand stanley you know what i mean that i I don't blame parents for giving in to these things in the slightest because I think the thought of someone being mean to your child or bullying your child, I can't even imagine. No, exactly. Even for me, exclusively theoretically right now, that's like heartbreaking. Exactly. No, it's terrible. But then it just begs the question, why are the parents that are giving their kids the drunk elephant also raising children who go into the school to bully kids who don't have that's yeah. my question if you're gonna give your kid the i really still think it's the parents who are giving it to the kids oh no it's 100 it's their the fault because if you're giving your kid the rare beauty and the drunk elephant and the stanley cup fine do your thing if you're giving them 75 colors of that lululemon scuba hoodie do your thing i think that's incredibly fucked up and inappropriate but it's not my place to say but it is kind of like my suggestion to try to raise a child that is not then going to go into a school and bully all the kids that don't have what they have yeah that's just well, you know what it just needs to it it needs to be the heelys thing all over again remember when heelys got banned from like every school yeah they were banned from the nativity you couldn't wear heelys yeah and to you CCD. could not wear nativity like heelys and nativity wasn't working out <laughs> was not i never had that my parents were like fuck you Eli. my parents were like yeah you're gonna break your nose you are not coordinated enough for those you cannot have them and they're ugly yeah but like i think like, the schools ugly. need to get involved in that way you know what i mean where it's like okay guess what you're not bringing your own water bottle this year you want a water bottle your only option is the school commissioned one and everyone's gonna get one and it's plastic as and hell. everyone's gonna get one and it's plastic as hell no bpa free whatever the hell you're dying microplastics but whatever no one's getting bullied because we all have the same water bottle and like sometimes i think things like that are overkill but at the same time like it is really hard to create an environment where students are constantly being made aware of you know their differences to the other kids especially from a you know financial perspective yeah it must be really hard to be a student in that environment and then also learn yeah you know like so i just think i think it's it's parenting it's also social media and what's that's doing to the the youths of today but it's also the schools the parents need to get them off the tiktok like why i'm sorry like why is your 13 year old on tiktok watching 25 year old women who make their own money and are living incredibly privileged lives as influencers and thinking that that's what they have to be and have and i don't and as somebody who creates content myself i am creating content for women that are over that is over the age of 18. It is not, I do not have the option to like turn off who gets to see it, but you have the option to tell your child they can't. Well, That's yeah. my thing. I don't feel, because I've seen people be like, well, it's the fucking influencer's fault. And I'm like, I don't think it is, frankly. Well, I think like YouTube has YouTube kids. YouTube has it, yeah. And well, I think it's like, that's what we need to be doing more of you know is creating spaces that are spaces that are like meant for children yeah tween spaces whatever it is like so young people don't have to be 
infiltrating adult spaces um you know where content is just not made for them but then i remember when youtube launched youtube kids there was a lot of pushback because people said there are bad people out there who will abuse this that there is a a separate section of youtube where it's for kids only like and it you know can be dangerous that i think it's incredibly incredibly complicated and there's no obvious answer there's no right answer and just makes me really scared (laughs) i'm gonna be honest like it's really because in my brain i'm like i could give my 14 year old tiktok and let her have him or her have or them have it for a certain an hour a day or whatever and tell them they had to stay in their following tab and i have to check who they're following but i'm not gonna stand over their shoulder like a hawk and make sure they only watch the videos from the people that they're following and then i might like the kid might say mom can i follow this person and i might take one quick scroll and say that's fine but then that person could turn on ahead and post something completely and wildly inappropriate so it's just like it's so complicated because in my brain that's like a good parenting solution but how do you even manage it well also like i not to be like i was a nice person so i can't like but i you know had a nice group of friends that like there were things that like we all had that certain friends were like well my parents won't let me have that and i don't remember like any bullying going on in my specific friend groups about those things but i do know that that did and does happen and so it's like in my personal if i exclusively look from my own experience i'm like oh well just like if you're worried you know keep your kid off it and then when i look at my experience i'm like yeah that was fine no one got bullied whatever no one's really left out but i know that that's not the case for most children and i'm like it's just so it's so hard because you need the kids the schools the parents the platforms everybody needs to be on the same page and how can you have that not everyone's ever going to agree yeah that it's is just also scary. like the whole debate going on with the powdered sugar donuts Have what's you seen the this? powdered sugar donut debate so this mom was making her kid breakfast on tiktok and she was like cutting up powdered donuts on a plate and it was like a young kid like under the age of five and there's a lot of stitches being like this is not a healthy breakfast this is lazy like all those things then there was a lot of stitches being like you can't shame a parent you have no idea the circumstances and then there were a lot of people in the comments being like i was fed junk my entire life and my gut has never healed like the first 10 years of my life the only thing that i was being given or offered was junk was donuts like that for breakfast and junk all day and i have health problems because of it and then there are other people it's like so loaded like it's like a loaded yeah. thing well and i think that's also like my big issue with like the stitch function on tiktok because you know let's say you're someone who is a dietitian or you know you're a pediatrician and and you see this video being made where you know the mom is serving her children powdered donuts why do you have to stitch it like my question is why can't you just make a video and be like hey i'm a dietitian i'm a pediatrician i specialize in this that whatever and i see a lot of videos generalize it and i see videos on here of you know i think it's the concept children not being fed balanced breakfasts but it always like yeah i guess it's just like when that's the specific that that's very true because i I think think it's it's, like when things get more specific yeah but my point is like this person who posted the donut video is receiving feedback and i think both parties are correct that like you don't know someone's situation so you shouldn't be shaming them but at the same time 
for kids' development, it is really important that they're having, you know, three balanced meals a day. Yeah. And, you know, their sugar intake is not out of control. And, you know, they're getting leafy greens and different kinds of vegetables. Like, all of all of those things are true. And I don't feel it's fair to direct really any of that conversation towards one specific person. Because one mom feeding her kids powdered donuts for breakfast is not causing some epidemic in this country. Yeah. It's not. No. And one person making a video shaming them for it isn't convincing that many other people to not do it that it's like i just oh i hate the way you know things like that manifest on social media because i do think you can have an important point and someone's video can inspire an important point but that one mom is not (laughs) the nation she's not the the fda she's not in charge of agriculture like unfortunately for everybody she didn't ask she didn't she, ask. Yeah. And so it's like, keep your mouth shut. But if you have a point to make, go make your own platform. Go make your point. Do you need to make yeah. it in someone's comment section and ma- make them feel bad? I, I don't know. No. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, so we're going to answer some fun ones. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been a heavy ramble. Who do you think will win the Oscar first? I have like a very guttural reaction to this, but I'm curious what you think. Zac Efron or Robert Pattinson? Robert Pattinson. Okay, for me, purely based on how much he works, don't you think, like, Zac Efron would just have a better shot? Queen, I have to, like, sorry, I'm coming for you. You do not watch enough movies. Robert Pattinson okay, I didn't works know. a shit ton. I guess I just don't, like, see him. Like, he works being... a shit ton. Okay, I just, like, and don't hear about him. And he's way um, more, like, like well-respected Oscar, projects. like, films. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. originally that was my gut reaction, but then I tried to think of, like, one movie that I'd heard of that he was in, and I couldn't. Yeah, like, you just don't watch life. movies like that. You're not a... What's your, like, favorite you're, movie? You're, like, a movie girl not like a he was in tenant with christopher nolan he was in um the lighthouse was it called um these are all like things that were like like critically acclaimed yeah i mean bat the batman obviously twilight tenant um let's do a little scroll oh he's in a new studio ghibli film that's coming out the boy and the heron mickey 17 is um uh the same director as parasite Oh, and that's coming I out this year. The Lighthouse, The King, The Devil All the Time. I thought was great. People had thoughts. Point being, Robert Pattinson is in, has consistently worked in film with projects that are just way more likely to, you know, be nominated. Be nominated. Zach Efron. This is his like first time in Iron Claw. You know. Yeah. Being connected to something that really was critically acclaimed. So, what about Jacob Elordi and Timothy Chalamet? I, my prediction for this, um, is that Timothy Chalamet is going to be the Leonardo DiCaprio of our generation. Where he will consistently be nominated and Never consistently win. not and win. And what is your reason for that? I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say I would see Jacob Elordi winning first. I don't even know why. Yeah, I, I don't have any I don't have any no reason, reason why. It just like felt like a gut instinct. I just feel... Like, Timothy is, like, an always the bridesmaid, never the bride for me. Yeah. I think Timothy is always, like, his performances, I'm always like, oh, it's up there, but it's never the number one for me. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, the last thing that, like, a lot of people put in here was to talk about the Wizards of Waverly Place reboot, and I've got to be honest, like, reboot culture, not really for me. Like, I think... The only one, like, 
and just like that is different for me because there was so 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 much time put in between yeah and like i i don't know i think what i always prefer is um like something like 90210 where it's like you're taking the same concept um but it's a new cast it's a different stories it's new characters whatever you're retelling a story i guess in the same format gossip girl you know the new gossip girl wasn't great but i think that's a much more interesting thing at least to attempt to do and you know they didn't necessarily hit the nail on the head with it but 90210 for me was the old 90210 was great the new 90210 it was modern it was perfect it was perfect it was the perfect way to kind of continue the story but you know and there are one or two characters from the original 90210 who are in the reboot but I like something like that way more than just like well, redoing the same story. I don't know what the technical difference between those yeah. two things is, but I was gonna say I think what could satiate everybody a lot better than like a formal reboot is just the director and cast coming together, being like, yeah, twenty years later, these two would be married. This one would have a baby. Here's what would have happened. Like people love those like little news bits that come out when someone's like, oh, this character like went on to do this, or like yeah. when an author's like, this character would have gone on to do that. Like that satiates people, and then you don't have to put all of this money towards production for something that will end up time and time and time again getting canceled. Yeah, they all get canceled. And I just think, um, I don't know. I think people overestimate the interest because the thing about TV is it's not a movie. A movie, you have to get people interested for a much shorter period of two time. Two hours. Well, and I don't even mean two hours. I mean, like, a couple of months. Do you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, people see the movie once, maybe twice, but, like, you only have to get people interested in seeing the movie during the, the kind of the run, while it's in theaters or when it's first on streaming. Peak moment. Exactly. And to do a show is much more complex because if at least if you're, you know, maybe you're coming out and saying we're only doing one season and that'll be it. That's a bit easier, but even to keep people's interest week after week after week and for, to get new interest from the people who didn't watch from episode yeah. one, it's a much harder task. It's a much higher hurdle. And I think, you know, people really misjudge how much interest there will be in a reboot just because there were many people who, you know, were interested in the initial project and there are many people who are still fans of the initial project doesn't mean that all of those people will become viewers. No, 100%. Or care it, anymore. Yeah. It was and, a different version well, of me. They might not like it. Yeah. You know? I was 10. It, it doesn't resonate with them. So I think I think it's a serious, arduous task. I think it's really, really hard to do a reboot that is good and, you know, is checking all the boxes of what the old fans wanted, but it's ushering in new fans. And, you know, I think... It's a huge, huge, huge varied task to accomplish. And I'm just interested to see how it goes, especially because I'm pretty sure Selena's only guest starring in the first episode. Oh, like she doesn't want to do it, do it. Like she's in the first episode and I don't know if she, I'm sure she'll make appearances in the other episodes, but like she's not a full-time cast member and she's not even, she's a guest star in episode one. So I'm like, is this whole thing about Justin Russo? 
You know what I mean? You're saying we're doing a Wizards of Waverly Place reboot. Everyone is thinking Alex Rousseau. Everyone is thinking Selena Gomez. No, I'm thinking about Harper. Speak for your fucking self. But Selena and Harper, like, that's what I want to see. It's like the odd couple. I'm like, I want them in a New York City apartment fucking around. They don't know how to decorate. Like, that's what I want. No, I want to see them go to, um, like, the Smith for the first time together. No, stop. Like I want to see the two of them at the Smith. I want to see them at some, like, CD. Like, they're going to Phoebe's. I was going to say they were going to – I was going to say they're going to going to, like, a NYU bar. It's their intern summer, and they're going to They're Phoebes. going to Paul's Casablanca. Oh, my God. They're I getting drinks it. on the LeBain rooftop. Like, stop. scoping out Obsessed. men, finding out everyone there is gay. Like, yeah, like, but – all these things, I think, are what people are picturing, and then they're gonna feel duped when it's about Justin. It's about Justin and Bridget Mendler, though, Doctor Bridget. I mean, I I will watch and support solely because of Doctor Bridge. Like, well, if Doctor Bridge pulls up, well, everyone's like, answer people, your phone. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. If she pulls up, well, because she was like teasing something new, and she was like, and no, it's not music. So everyone's like, oh my god, is it this? Is this the thing that you were teasing to us? But. If she's involved, I will be watching every minute. Wait, I'm check. I have to just say something about really quickly. Like, I throw around follows so willy nilly on the internet. Like, I realized recently, like, if I like think about a celebrity in my brain and then look them up on Insta, I'll probably toss them a follow. Cause I'm like, oh, I should be following them. Should not be following these people. But Bridget, she might get my follow. Does she even have Instagram? Why do I feel like she's like unplugged like that? (gasps) That's so tough. No, good for her, though. Like, we all need to throw the phones in the ocean, you know? We all need to do that. And you know what? Reboot Austin and Allie. Reboot Austin. Well, I think, I think like, it's... Re- I, I'm interested to see how it goes. Because I think even if they make the best show they possibly can, people are going to be disappointed. Especially if Selena's, like, not really a character in it. It's really going to be not what people wanted... And you never want people's reaction to be, it would have been better off if you didn't do it at all. And that's really going to be the reaction. Yeah. So, um, what should we do now? (laughs) Guys, this was a crazy combo today. No, this was super unhinged. Um, by the way, this is the last episode of Miss Congeniality. (laughs) (laughs) Before the reboot. So, um, I don't want to say, like, season two, because, like, I've never had, like, seasons, really, which could maybe sound like something I should do. So, maybe this, everything leading up to the next episode that I drop is, like, a prelude. It was, um, all an appetizer to season one. And a mousse-bouche, if which you will. Which is dropping after tour, so early March. You can expect me to be back, so it's only, like, a month, and I'll tell you more about every thing that we're going to be doing going forward we're going to have four episodes a month two solo episodes two other episodes and i'll share more in march so if you're looking to find me until then instagram tiktok or come see me on tour and come see ronnie on tour as well come see us on tour i'll be there as a little groupie sometimes on stage sometimes backstage who cares just vibing jv (laughs) jv when someone's like i'm on varsity i'm like i'm on jv i'm just vibing i'm just vibing okay we're gonna go watch dance mom so love you all signing off love you kids bye